0: And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It is Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 213, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, people. And hopefully we will do that for you as we record this on a lovely Sunday afternoon, many of you preparing for your week. And we've got a lot to get to, Cowboys making some moves The franchise tag deadline is on Tuesday afternoon for not just the Cowboys, of course, but everybody across the league. The Mavs have been red hot. Seems like the trade and getting rid of KP might've been what they needed, who knows. But before we dump, dump, before we dump into this, see now I've got poo poo on my mind. Ah. Before we jump into this, how about a message from the attorneys at Greening Law? Because again, if you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractice from a physician, a hospital, whatever, maybe you were injured on the premises of a business, your first call, it needs to be to the green team, the lawyers at Greening Law. Let them be your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies.
1: Dude, Greening Law does what they do because they're really good at it, man. And what they're really good at is all about the details. The thing that I like about them, and a lot of this you hear from Matt, is that they provide you the answers to questions that you're like, oh, I didn't even know they were supposed to ask that. Or, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to know that. And that's what makes Greening Law special. That's what allows them to have a lot of success. And the thing about it is, it don't cost nothing to pick up the phone and say, hey, here are the details of my case. What do
0: you think? Yeah, consultations are absolutely free. They only get paid if you get compensated. That's how it works with greening law give them a call 972-934-8900 again the number and and maybe you don't need it right now but i would either memorize it write it down keep it handy for when you do 972-934-8900 it's robert greening offices dallas texas so the cowboys man it's it's becoming and you and i I thought this was interesting when the report i want to say it was friday yeah it was friday morning and everybody was freaking out because Adam Schefter reported that the Cowboys are very likely to release Amari Cooper. And I thought, well, if you listen to our podcast, we've been talking about that for like two weeks. Okay, hold up, I'm gonna take a quick aside, man. That shit cracks me up, man. <laughs> I mean, we talked
1: about it. Everybody in the Dallas media has said, oh, listen to Steven Jones, and it appears to be very clear that they're moving on from Amari Cooper. Yeah. Adam Schefter comes in, last man to the party, Hey, bean dip for everybody. Oh, there's <laughs> bean dip here. Oh, let's go grab the chips and get some bean dip. Yeah, Shefter got the bean dip. It's like bean dip, man. We didn't gorged ourselves on that and the ribs and everything else too. So, I mean, I ain't mad at Adam, but just cause Adam said, don't make it so. I mean, the shit was real before he said it. And he yeah. cool, he great. He's fantastic what he does, but I mean, come on, man.
0: That's kind of what I thought. And then Friday morning, like I show up at the we had a remote for my radio show and I was I was doing 4 hours cuz I did the show before mine and they were like, "Man, what's going on? Like why are they getting rid of Amari Cooper?" And they told I was, I was I mean, and I I told them flat out, I was like, "This is not a surprise." I, I, like I don't understand why people are surprised by this. The fact that they didn't restructure his contract last year when they were doing all these restructurings of contracts, they wanted to allow themselves to get out of it. It was always a very high probability, barring Amari Cooper going out and just setting the world on fire this year. And I, I, I do think that him not getting vaxxed and, and missing a couple of games, I think it kind of rubbed him the wrong way. And when they all those things combined with the fact that they don't utilize him for the money that they are paying him, I, I think the picture is pretty obvious.
1: Okay, now I'm going to I'm going to say. I do. I disagree with one snippet of that. I mean, they, they signed Greg Hardy. They've signed other people. Not getting vaxxed wasn't the end of the world. I mean, they didn't like it, but of all the kinds of people they've signed with transgressions, that must rank in the bottom 1% of uh, people to come. Oh, yeah. Uh, my thing is just uh,
0: that, like, anytime you're, you're laying out reasons, you go, well, you know, and then he didn't do this, and then he's not this, right, right, right. And, you know what I mean? It's just right. another, it's another thing that adds to this.
1: Yeah, no, I get you on that. I think, the, I think the biggest thing is they weren't getting their money's worth. And we can, uh, as my mom would say, argue till you blue in the face about why. Is right, yeah. it Kevin Moore's scheme? Is it Amari Cooper this? And, um, you know, and then I think there's some thing to it where they don't really, you know, Amari Cooper, man, is one of those cats who's not, he's not your everyday guy. He's a different sort of dude. And you really have to understand him and who he is and what he's all about to get the most out of him. And I don't really think they did that. Like, I don't really think they know what makes Amari Cooper tick or how to get the most mm-hmm. out of him. Cause he's a different sort of guy. He's a thinker. He's kind of an introvert. I mean, he's, when I say he's a thinker, he's like a deep thinker. And so those people often need explanations and reasons yeah. that a lot of times football coaches like, cause I said so, cause I, you know, this is the way we doing it. And some cats need more than that for you to get their full potential. And so while he was good, they didn't come close to getting his full potential. And if you're going to pay that much money, $20 million a year, I got, you gotta be a difference maker 12 out of 17 weeks or or 13 out of 17 weeks or 14 out of 17 weeks. You gotta be a difference maker more times than you're not. And last thing, man, and it doesn't matter whether it's the scheme holding you back or Dak holding you back or some kind of, uh, you know, attitude issue holding you back you're being held back and so we can't maximize your use so we we're going a different direction
0: yeah because the reality of it is as we've painted the picture the way that they use him for whatever reason as you said is not worth 22 million dollars it just isn't and so now you have to move on and, and this is no surprise the thing of it is is the reports coming now that they have focused as you might imagine on michael gallup that they want to get this done they're going to roll with Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and let those guys figure out who's going to be the badass out of the two. But it's interesting because Calvin Watkins had on Twitter the other day that they are a little bit apart and that Gallup apparently, and this is what I always think is hilarious about the Cowboys. Cowboys always talk this game. And they do this and then they do that. and I, they, they try to shortchange everybody. And it sounds like that's what they're trying to do to Michael Gallup. And Calvin Watkins puts out on Twitter that, they were surprised that Gallup is going to cost more than what they wanted. And so now they've got to have to figure out. I was like, well, the dude's about to be a free agent. What do you think? Oh, oh, you want to re-sign me? Thank you so much. Oh, this is great. What, just pay me whatever you want.
1: Dude, that's that's my one real complaint about Stephen Jones um, as a guy who handles most of the cap. Uh, obviously, there's some people like uh, you know Adam who work up under him and really do the contracts and stuff, but – He sets the tone and they're forever trying to get shit at a fucking discount man yep they never want to pay well i shouldn't say never they rarely want to pay you what you're worth and when they do uh pick a guy bro dak prescott zeke elliott tank lawrence there's always some drama involved because they never just go oh here's your money no problem uh this you're one of the best in the league what you do here's your money uh keep it moving and uh you know let's let's move on and so and I'm not saying Gallup is the end-all, be-all, but there's a certain market for a guy like Gallup, and you have to hit the market. And, you know, Gallup is probably basing his stuff on year two when he was a clear number two guy. And See, here's to me how it works. Michael Gallup is going, when you had Amari Cooper, and I was a number two guy, and I got 113 targets, I produced 1,100 yards, 17 yards to catch six touchdowns. I was that dude. Then you brought in CD Lamb, and we split the we split the thing three ways. Um, And but I still had fifty nine catches for eight hundred forty three yards and five TDs. So if I'm going to be back to being the number two guy with CD over there, you should expect me to do about sixty six for eleven hundred and six touchdowns. And that player may cost fourteen million dollars a year.
0: Fair enough to me. (laughs) Right now,
1: I I am I am coming off an ACL, so. You know, there's some give and take there, but it's not a lot of give and take. So, you know, instead of 14, maybe it's uh, 12 and a half or 13 or something like that. But it ain't seven and it's not eight or it's not nine.
0: Yeah. And that's where this is going to get really interesting, because you look at this and like, what is his value? Like, Like, where would you slot him in? as far as what you're going to pay this guy. And you look at some of the, you know, even Amari Cooper getting the big contract at 20 million a year that he got. You look at a guy like Kenny Galladay for the Giants who signed with them, and this is why guys test free agency. Kenny Galladay is 29 years old. He's making $18 million a year. You know, so if you're if you're Michael Gallup, I wonder what do you point at? Like Adam Thielen for the Vikings is at 16 a year. You've got Jarvis Landry in Cleveland making 15. Cortland Sutland for the Broncos is making 15 a year. So with him, I, I think that's probably in the range that he's looking at is he wants to get, I would think, like what you talked about, a minimum of 13, 14 a year, somewhere in that 13 to 16 range.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably where he's looking, bro. And they're like, oh, shoot. And, you know, it's classic Cowboys. Let's see if we can get him coming off an injury so we can get him cheaper. And, you know, man, that's the frustrating thing is, you know, it's can it be about – let's pay the guy what he's worth and, and keep it moving. And, um, you know, they don't seem to always want to do that. And, you know, I, I understand some of it because you, you're you still trying to figure out, well, who was Gallup, you know, because, you know, last year he, um, you know, he's hurt. The year before, he's really the third guy, deep guy. And so where does he okay. fit? But check this out, man. When you decide to part with Amari Cooper, you gotta already know that. I mean, you gotta already be talking to his guy about what he wants and where he fits, and you should know the answer to those questions. Check this out, man. Here's a novel concept before you make him an offer.
0: Yeah, you would hope so. <laughs> because you
1: because you need him. Yeah, and you got to have what, him, yeah. And guess what? Michael Gallup is like, oh, y'all getting rid of Amari? Hmm. Price just went up. Y'all need me. And that's fair. There's nothing wrong with that. It's called negotiation.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing is that, I mean, you can look at and We all know this. All it takes is one team. I, I don't think Michael Gallup walking out and getting $20 million a year, but you just – Some of these teams that have a ton of cap money that may look at that, oh, you're coming off an ACL, but, man, we could really use you, what have you. And it's just funny that the Cowboys always expect that these guys are just going to take a chunk less than what they'd be able to get on the open market simply because, oh, but you get to be a Dallas Cowboy. Bro.
1: You know, he's probably in the – I was looking at it, man. He's probably in the Curtis Samuel, Nelson Aguilar, Tyler Board, Will Furlers, Sterling Shepard. Ten to eleven million dollars a year range.
0: See, and I think he's better than all those guys, and that—that's where it's going to get really interesting.
1: Yeah. But uh, okay, so even if you think he's better than all those guys, um, and this is a good conversation to have because at fourteen four, is Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams at fourteen right. five. You know, and so I don't think he's there. Uh, maybe you say Cortland Sutton, he's fifteen million, but. You know, so, I mean, we can, I think we can safely say he's between 12 and a half and 15 million, um, you know, and then y'all figure out, figure out where to go from there.
0: Yeah. Because the reality of it is he's not a number one and he's never been a number one. And, you know, but then I look at a guy like Corey Davis, who's never even sniffed. Well, I guess he, his last year in Tennessee, I think he might've had a thousand yards. He was close to it, but you look at a guy like Corey Davis who the jets just decided to bring over and they gave, they're giving him 12 and a half a year.
1: Dude, I think – and when I looked at it, I think he fits up well with uh, with um, Cortland Sutton's season because uh, he's only had one 1,000-yard yeah. season. Then he was hurt for a year. Then he bounced back last year. Uh, but I think Gallup's numbers are just as good. So he's probably looking at that and going the same thing. Yeah, because Cortland
0: Sutton, you know, also in Denver, has Jerry Judy now on the other side of him. So it kind of is that type of thing where they've got two dynamic receivers, you know, in, in Denver. I'll be really curious to see how this affects C.D. Lamb. If – because to me, I think you're signing Michael Gallup to do what he did when he was – like you, you pointed out this season when Amari Cooper was doing his thing and I was a solid number two. I right. think that they want – I mean, C.D. Lamb, they drafted in the middle of the first round for a reason. I think you want him to become that number one wide receiver and Michael Gallup just keeps doing what he does in his role.
1: Oh, no, I don't think that's – I think that's the case. You want him to be uh, the deep threat guy. Uh, the guy who can stretch a defense, the guy who can go make big plays for you. And, and he's done that, man, uh, throughout his career. Um, so I think, he, I think that's a good role for him. Uh, but here's the deal, man. It's always funny, man. The Cowboys were willing to pay Sammy Watkins, who wasn't the number one receiver, $16 million a year. Yeah, yeah. That's what they, they were willing to throw that money around. Three years, I think, $16 million a year. And Sammy Watkins, to me, has always been just a tease. Uh, so it's interesting that they're being cheap or less than or, you know, they, they thought they'd get uh, Gallup at a discount because discount is not really an NFL term these days.
0: Bro. No, it, it's ridiculous. And, and it'll be interesting. I'm very curious to see how this looks going forward, because you can look across the board. It might have been Ed Werder that had the numbers the other day about how Dak's QBR was so much better when Amari Cooper was on the field versus him off. I've seen studies before, like you can go and look at when Amari Cooper is on the field, how more effective Zeke in the running game is than when he wasn't on the field. So it's going to be really interesting to see because if CeeDee Lamb is not ready to step into that role where he, he commands that you pay attention to him the way that teams paid attention to Amari Cooper, this, this could potentially just blow up right in their face. Well, it's going to be
1: 2017, first part of 2018 all over again. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it's going to be gonna be a stretch where Dak's numbers go down because you know none of his receivers are quite capable of establishing themselves so CeeDee Lamb is really the kid. all of this they're banking on CeeDee Lamb being that dude being that 12-letter cuss word and creating all kind of uh All kind of opportunities for everybody else. Yeah, Um, and
0: one last, go ahead. I was just going to say, hopefully he will be, because again, you know, you look across the board and a lot of the times they talk about that third year in the NFL for wide receivers is when they really turn it on. We've seen some guys in years past, obviously Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but a lot of the times it's that third year and maybe the Cowboys are banking on that with CeeDee Lamb going into year three.
1: Well, I mean, I want to make sure it was clear. It ain't like CeeDee Lamb ain't showed you he could be a dynamic player. I mean, he's... That dude had eight games, I didn't even realize it, with, a, with at least one catch of 30 yards or more. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, it's about consistency, and when you're the number one guy, it's about doing it against the best corner on the other team, Right. doing it right. every week, yep. and, and running that slant on third and seven, and catching the ball, a tough contested catch to keep the drive going. That's what it's about. Um, but I, I was looking at one more thing I was gonna say. Uh, I did a quick look at Cortland Sutton, Sutton, because he's been in the league four years, just like Gallup. Yeah, he averaged, and this is this is just straight average: forty-three catches, six hundred sixty-four yards, tw- and he scored twelve touchdowns in his career. Gallup has averaged forty-eight catches, seven hundred twenty-five yards, and scored fifteen touchdowns. And so that's probably a very generic way of looking at why. Gallup is talking about, yeah, fifteen million sounds good to me. And the Cowboys are more like, what are you talking about? We had twelve in mind for you.
0: <laughs> well, I have a feeling it's going to be closer to the fifteen. And that's just what's it's going to cost them that. And and we'll see. This is going to be interesting moving forward. All the frustrations and like we talked about, and we've talked about this multiple times in the last couple of weeks. There's just no world in which this offense is better minus Amari Cooper. I mean, Amari Cooper is a difference-making wide receiver. We've seen him be that. And regardless of it, I mean, even if CeeDee Lamb is ready to be a number one, CeeDee Lamb is going to do more damage against their number two or number three corner most games. So this is going to be very interesting. I just have a hard time buying that the offense, it just it, 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 it's not going to be better. I don't know how it could be better when you have one less dynamic weapon.
1: Dude, this is a classic case. Cowboys do this all the time. Piss on your head and tell you it's raining. Pretty much. And then get upset and say, well, it smells like piss. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's not pee. Trust me, it's not pee. <laughs> it's rain. But Steven,
0: but it's yellow, Steven. Oh, that's Jeez. sulfur in the air. It is sulfur oh. in the air. It is not pee. Jeez. Yeah, that's what they're doing here. And, and I don't know what to think about this. I really don't because, and I will tell you this, and it's going to be different. Because I guarantee you what's going to happen is Amari Cooper is going to go somewhere who needs a number one wide receiver in an offense that Cooper cups him, and he's got, probably going to end up having a phenomenal year. And everybody, whoa, oh, look at that. I mean, I can't believe. And the reality of it is the Cowboys have proven to us they're not going to do that with him here.
1: Yeah, he's going to. I mean, I would expect him to go somewhere and put up his usual 75, 80 catches, 1100, 1,150 yards, and eight touchdowns. Yeah. You know, his normal numbers in a normal year uh, because somebody uses him. And, you know, if he went to the right team, he could have even more than that. But, you know, uh, once he's gone, man, it's like we're not dating anymore. I don't really care who you date.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it is. It's, it's just so wild because I was stoked when they traded for him. And it feels like it worked. And, and they just, the Cowboys, for whatever reason, refused to get as much out of it as they possibly could have. I, that's how I feel about that Amari Cooper bit. So, before we move on, let's tell you about a couple of our sponsors, of course, as always. Blue Star Motor Group at BlueStarMotorGroup.com. I know Jacques's got his eye on a vehicle, but what have you guys picked out for yourselves? They always have just a phenomenal selection on their website at BlueStarMotorGroup.com. It's Deb and her husband, Mike. Really easy to get a hold of her. I mean, all you got to do is hit her up, 817 881 4066 superior quality carfax certified pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models man we we were talking about this last time the reality of it is when you go to bluestarmotorgroup.com they have so many different vehicles like you can get cars for in the $20,000 range and you can get cars in the $100,000 range and everything in between there's something for everybody if you're looking for a used new vehicle for yourself
1: dude it's um they're great man i was looking at the convertible beamer yeah you- trying to rationalize it I don't, you know. Here's the thing: once I see it, I know they can find another one, so I don't have to make a move right now. Yeah, but it's in the back. Of, it's in the back <laughs> of my head. That's that's how deep I've gone. But uh, you know, I, I've told y'all that my granddaughter needs a car. Yeah. maybe I'll give her mine and get one from Blue Star. Maybe I'll just say, "Yo, I want to keep mine and let's go to Blue Star and find you one at a, at a good price." The, the bottom line is, Deb and Mike are about making deals. It's a win-win situation and. You know, once the contracts are signed and handshakes are made, they want you to drive off with a smile on your face.
0: Yeah, and and I'm telling you, man, they've just got so many great deals, and a lot of the times they don't last long because they they are incredible. I would jump on there if you're looking to make a move for a vehicle this year at bluestarmotorgroup.com. And, again, I'll tell you, at at least include them in your car buying process. At least give them a chance to see what they can do for you because a lot of the times you're going to get a better deal because they don't have the overhead of a dealership. It's Deb and her husband, that's it. I mean, they're doing this thing together. So make it happen at bluestarmotorgroup.com or hit her up again, 817-881-4066, very easy to do. Also of course, Freeway Tire Shop, anytime you have a car, it doesn't matter if you've had it for forever or you just got it, at some point, you gotta get your oil changed, you gotta get new tires. Sometimes you need more extensive work done. But as we've been telling you about for a long time, the only place that you should be going that we trust, that Jacques takes all of his cars to in the Dallas area is Freeway Tire Shop. Dude, it's about trust,
1: man. When you're dealing with a mechanic, because, you know, I, I'm not a dude who fixes cars. It, it is what it is. You can judge me if you if you choose to, but to you if you do. Um, I think the thing about JR is... You can trust them, and that's what you want from a mechanic, man. You can trust them to diagnose your issue, then you can trust them to use quality parts, you can trust them to give you a fair price. It's not going to be $9,000 for labor on a park that costs 20 bucks. Mm. You, can, you can trust that, that the price is fair, man. You can trust him to stand behind his work. I don't know what else you want from a, from a mechanic other than the four T's, baby.
0: That's pretty much it right there. It's JR, his guys at Freeway Tire Shop online. You can find him where you can request your quote. You can schedule an appointment. Make sure you let him know. You heard about him on the Jam Session podcast. He's going to get you taken care of. It's freewaytireshop.com for all that information, just north of downtown Dallas, right off of 35. So let's take this trip around the block here, and a couple of things to get into. First, I don't even know how I thought of this. Oh, I know. So we were out yesterday, yesterday evening, and I overheard like the table next to us having this conversation. And they were talking about pecans, and the person at the table, and we're in the south, where I thought everybody calls them pecans. And pecans. This part, yeah, pecans. Do you say pecan? No, but I laugh at people who do. That's what like I <laughs> and so I was like, I, I, know, I know that some people say pecan, but I thought that that was like a if you're from the north, that's how you know that you're a Yankee is because you say pecan. Like pecans is the way to say it, I thought. Right.
1: Well, I mean, I, I'm not being an ass here. Have we have we looked it up in the dictionary?
0: Well, apparently, so they say there is no one proper pronunciation for the word pecan, although the most accepted is pecan because it originated from the Algonquin term for that. And that was what was most popularized originally. So I I don't know where some people. Like, where do you live that people say pecan? The country? I don't know, bro. I guess. I, I mean, who says pecan pie? I don't know, but apparently, so I put up a poll on Twitter. got like 500 oh, votes. Oh, did you know? Did you know? And it says, and I just said, how do you pronounce this nut? Pecans or pecans? And 88% say pecans. So about 12% of people are saying pecans. And I just thought oh. that sounds, if you say the word pecan, it, I think that you're trying to sell me a can full of your pee. Hi, man. You want some pecans? No, I don't. I want pecans because that's the freaking word. Cowboys are probably selling it. (laughs) Maybe they are, man. But I don't know. There's some of these words that people will say, and it's always interesting based on like the region of the country that you live in. Man, I wish I had done that. I should have sent it to you because I came across this thing a long time ago where actually like a couple of months back, probably. And you just, it was like a quiz. And based on how you, you call, like, do you, like, for instance, you go to the grocery store, do you get a cart? Do you get a buggy? Oh. You know? And so based on how you call certain things and phrases that you use, they could almost to a T pinpoint where you were from.
1: Oh, I believe that. I don't have any, uh, like, here's a good one, man. When I came, you know, I lived in Buffalo for the most part until I was seven. And we moved to uh, Dallas the summer before I turned eight. And I came down, we moved down here and we're driving around with the real estate person. Yeah. And she said, do y'all want some soda water? And we all three looked at her, me and my sister, and my mother, soda water. I'm sorry, we're unfamiliar with that. You know, soda water, like Coca-Cola, you know. Oh, yeah, we want a soda, a Coke? Yeah, I do not know what the hell soda water was. But uh, that's what, but, you know, two years after I've been here, I said, hey, where's some soda water at? I'm thirsty.
0: Interesting. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's stuff like that. So I just, I Googled it and it was on the New York Times. This is from a few years ago. And so they did this quiz. It was called, what is the way you speak? Say about where you're from. Answer all the questions and you'll see your personal dialect map. And for instance, the first question is, how would you address a group of two or more people? Like we say y'all. Everybody right. knows in Texas and a lot in the South, they say y'all. But other options to choose from on this. Use guys. Use guys. Use. You lot. Ewins. yens, And I'm like, what? Who the hell says yins? But apparently that's something that you could address. Here's another really? great one. Here's another question. What do you call the area of grass in the middle of some streets? A traffic island, an island, a midway, a boulevard, a median And I was like, uh, you call it a median, right? Right. You know, so once you start filtering out through this, it's it's phenomenal. And it kind of shows you, like, for instance, when I clicked on y'all, it shows a map of the United States. And it shows, like, pretty much everywhere outside of the South was dark blue for nobody says y'all unless you're in the South. Because, you know, you hear about that, like, on The Sopranos or whatever. And you'll be, oh, you guys, hey, you know. I didn't know people really talk like that.
1: I thought they were just playing.
0: No, like for real, that's, how they, that's <laughs> what they do. How about this? What is the distinction between dinner and supper? Ah, uh, Dude, let me see. I have no idea. Like To me, they're the same thing. I think it seems to me like
1: dinner is a northern and supper is a southern.
0: Yeah, because I don't really use the word supper, though. I use the word dinner.
1: Yeah. Uh, in, in my home, it was always dinner. It was never supper. Matter of fact, I don't know anybody who ever said supper.
0: i I just heard supper on tv this is just it's bizarre dude like oh here's a great one as we just go through some of these down the rabbit hole of this what do you call the long sandwich that contains cold cuts lettuce and whatnot what a sub sandwich yeah like we would call it a sub right how about these grinder hoagie hero a poor boy a bomber a baguette a sarnie i was gonna say hero I
1: ain't never heard, I've heard of, uh, this, I th- there was another one you said that I heard of, but the other three, I was like, I've never heard of those.
0: I mean, this is so wild, dude. Like, you can go through this, and there's just all these different questions. Here's another one that I've heard. What do you call the rubber-soled shoes worn in gym class for athletic activities?
1: Oh, you know, those were sneakers in, in New York. Yep. And then when I came down here, I think they were tennies. Um. And then some people call them tennis shoes. Yeah, some I call. People, I would say tennis people, shoes. Some people refer to them as high tops. Interesting. Just a, just a generic term for tennis shoes.
0: Yeah, like some of the phrases that people refer to, sneakers, gym shoes, sand shoes, jumpers, tennis shoes, runners, trainers. And I, I generally, like, for what they're talking about, like, oh, those are tennis shoes. But oh. then you click on it, and nobody, like you're talking about in the Buffalo area and that chunk of the country in the Northeast, nobody calls them tennis shoes.
1: No. That's what I'm telling you. When I moved
0: down <laughs> here, it was all about – what what kind of sneakers y'all wear? Sneakers? <laughs> what are, what are those? This is so wild, man! I forgot about this. This is kind of fun to do. How about this one? I mean, we're just going down. Whatever. What do you call the small gray bug that curls up into a ball when it's touched?
1: Uh, we call them a duty bug. That's what you call them? I call them uh, roly poly. Yeah, but I I think we heard because they didn't have them in New York. I just saw them in Dallas, and we called them duty bugs.
0: Interesting. So here there is a ton of different ones. Pill bug, doodle bug, potato bug, sow bug, basketball bug, twiddle bug, roll-up bug, a wood louse, or <laughs> a roly-poly, which is what I clicked on. See,
1: I think doodle bug turned into duty bug because yeah. we were young and probably didn't know that it was doodle, and so it just came off to us as duty.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is—that's what's so wild about doing stuff, because all if you've only ever lived in a certain region of the country, like, some of these words— I've never heard before. Like the way that people describe certain things, if I were to move like to the northwest or the northeast, they'd be t- telling me something. I have, I'd have i I would have no clue what they're refra- what they're talking about.
1: I'd be like learning a new language.
0: Yeah. Like here's here's this next question. Here, what do you call a traffic jam caused by other drivers slowing down to look at an accident? Dumbasses, rubberneckers. Yeah, rubbernecking. Right. How yeah. about this? Gapers block. Oh my. <laughs> Gaper's wow. delay, curiosity delay, looky-loo, or a gawk block. Who says that? I can't believe it's gawk block. <laughs> I don't I, know, right man.
1: Now, I, I call them dumbasses.
0: <laughs> this is so insane. I have no idea, but all these different phrases and all these different like ways that people speak, so I guess uh, I need to just go all the way through. There's 25 questions. But I was curious to see, like, do you get to a point where it asks you, how do you pronounce the word pecan, pecan or pecan? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, that's something else, man. So the other thing that I had for you is, and you sent the story over in our text about, and, and I didn't realize that it was specific to Fritos, but apparently <laughs> there is a massive shortage of Fritos on shelves in stores. And the reason why I haven't noticed that it's particular to, to Fritos and I don't know if it's like this in Dallas, I'm assuming it is. We go to the store here and, I mean, it's probably 60% full. And the other 40% of shelves are empty and stuff is just missing all the time.
1: Wow, really?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, maybe 70%. But it's, you know, a lot of the times at grocery stores, and it's because of the supply chain. In this article you sent, it talks about how it's not that they don't have the product. Like, they've got enough Fritos. The problem is, is at... Like, we, it's not like they just make the Fritos and, oh, it magically appears at the store, obviously. There's a supply chain. And whether it's the shortage of truckers that we're having in this country or people working in the warehouses and things of that nature, there's shortages along the supply chain that allow delays to where they can't get stuff on the shelves the way that they would normally have done before the pandemic.
1: No, and, you know, things have been going like that for a minute, man, whether... Whether it's, uh, you know, things stuck, stuck in a harbor. Now, I don't feel sorry for my boy. But my boy um, had a, okay, again, don't feel sorry for him. He had a Porsche that, that was custom made. And a guy called him and said, hey, it'll be here in, this was back a while back. But, you know, let's say he said, it'll be here in July, last July. And that thing didn't arrive, dog, until November in part because it was sitting on a boat in Houston for like three months because they didn't have anybody to come take it off the boat and some other stuff because, and there was just things stuck in a harbor that couldn't get on shore, and so it was just stuck there, and there were delays, and uh, that was was for a lot of folks, man.
0: Yeah, man, And, and, and that's what's so interesting is they talk about that in this article here that the shortage of Fritos is like a national thing. They have 30 plants across the United States they have obviously at the plants that make them, they take the potatoes and the corn and all that stuff and turn it into the the snack. And then from there, they bag them and ship them. They have 34 distribution centers around the country. And so all that stuff, if there's something missing at at any of these locations and they don't have the employees, they don't have the staff that they're normally having, then there's delays. And, And that's where the supply chain issues are coming from. And I think everybody has seen that. I mean, it's it's always interesting to me when we go grocery shopping to see, will they have what I need this time? <laughs> and there's no way to know. I mean, it's sometimes, I mean, it, it's just, I mean, it, like Triscuits will be out or potato chips or whatever it is. You know, it'll just, they'll just be missing hummus. And, and you're, okay, I guess we'll come next week and see if it's here. And it's really weird because I didn't think it would ever Stuff like this, you just, you don't think happens. And then the pandemic hit and the great resignation hit. And a lot of these people who are working those types of jobs don't want to do it anymore.
1: Dude, it was uh, like, see, I, uh, that's interesting because I haven't noticed that much stuff missing. What I have noticed is the price is skyrocketing, uh, yeah. you know, because I, I do most of the grocery shopping. And so there's this bag of delicious, spicy chicken that I promise you, man, about a year and a half ago was $11 in whatever change it was a bag, maybe eleven forty nine. I went and got it the other day, bro. That thing was fifteen forty nine. It's the same bag, the same size, and it's four dollars more in like the span of a year and a half.
0: Yeah, it's inflation is out of control, and and it's as high as it's been, I think, in like thirty years or whatever it is. And there's a lot of reasons for that, of course, but you know, it's just it. it what's going on? It's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. And they have no idea when or if it will ever return to what it once was. And like, for instance, Frito-Lay is hiring 15,000 workers trying to bolster its distribution networks to meet consumer demand. But it doesn't necessarily mean that 15,000 people want to do that type of stuff anymore.
1: Bro, Um, you know, my dude was looking for a job and he had his pick of jobs paying 15 bucks an hour because it's hard to get, it's hard to employ people these days. And so if you're a young person now, it used to be hard for young people to get jobs. Now young people get all jobs because they're the ones interested in working Yeah, for, yeah. That, wa- for that wage. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, it's interesting. And I don't know, like the world is so wild and weird right now, but this is one of the odd things. I mean, the pandemic, I mean, remember when it first hit, when you're walking around and you're seeing these people in hazmat suits at these giant tents the government had set up on the side of the road. And it's like you're in a horror movie, except we were all living it for real. And now some of the effects of that, it, it's just, I don't know. I keep thinking at some point it'll cycle back around and it'll, it'll return like the supply chains and everything and all that stuff will become what it once was, but maybe not. I, I don't know.
1: I don't know, bro. I, I feel like it's, uh, it's just a new reality coming and, uh, yeah, it, could know, it be. may change a little bit But again, people find, I mean, use me as an example. Um, Just in terms of, and the pandemic played a role in it, I think anyway, just whatever role it played. But you know, we get laid off or whatever with ESPN. I just go, you know what? I'm not working for anybody else anymore. So what happens is I become a person who's no longer part of the workforce. Well, I'm not the only person like that. Who just said, you know what, I'm fed up with the system. Let me go find something I can do where I'm not really reliant on the work system. And that doesn't mean you start your own business. It can mean you want to become an Uber driver or you want to do DoorDash or you want to do those things that you can do literally on your time and on your schedule to make enough money to do whatever you need to do with it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you're seeing a lot of that. And, and obviously that's where some of these jobs that people had just been doing for forever and, and I think a lot of us, and in companies especially, took advantage of to some degree. I mean, you, you look at it now and all these places are raising their minimum pay, trying to find ways to attract these workers to come back. Like Target, for instance, put out last week in, in some areas, not all, but in some areas they'll be paying $25 an hour or $24 an hour starting pay. You know, and and, and with the rate of inflation and everything for people like that that are going to work a job for 24 hours, I mean, or $24 an hour, that's a big jump, man. And, you know, Amazon's raising and, and Walmart's trying to raise up a little bit and all that because they want to keep making money and selling things. And to do that, they have to have people working those jobs.
1: Well, here's the other thing, man, and let's keep it real. You also have to and this is part of the problem with America you gotta, you know, nobody could live. Uh, nobody could literally live off a of minimum wage, whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, like literally, I worked my 40 hours. I put in an honest 40 hours a week of work. You can't live in America off $10 an hour, at four, at 40 hours a week, bro. There's, I mean, there's no way. Um, I mean, maybe if you're single, and you know, and you and you and you're a minimalist, you can live off that. But the vast majority of people can't. And what happened with the pandemic? People find out, wow, the government benefits are more than I'm making for this job. I think I'll take that route. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the minimum wage federal is still seven twenty five, but a lot of states have, like, I think New York and California have fifteen dollar minimum wage laws. In Alabama, it's still seven twenty five. Like minimum wage here is seven twenty five, which is insane,
1: dude. What do you do with seven twenty five?
0: I mean, I, I don't know what you can
1: do. before
0: taxes. Is $290 a week.
1: What yeah. do you do with $1,160 before taxes?
0: I mean, that's less than $14,000 a year.
1: Yeah. I mean, what do you do with that? Nobody I,
0: can live off no, of that. it's impossible. It, it, it's, you, you couldn't do it. And I mean, there, I, I just don't even know how you could do it, especially in today's America. The least amount I ever made, I think, when I waited tables, I, I was probably like around 18000 you know, and that right. was tough. And that was 20 years ago. <laughs>
1: right. Dude. So
0: $14,000 in 2022 is just, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, bro. Come so on. I, I don't know what you do, but yeah, that was an interesting conversation. So just to circle back around, if you finished just talking about how you speak and like it pinpoints where you are and you can just Google it, just Google New York times dialect quiz and it'll bring up this thing and you can go through it if you want to. It pinpointed me not only as my hotspot, like the most red in the state of Texas. It also says that I am most likely from Irving, Arlington, or Garland. Does it really? (laughs) Wow. Isn't that nuts? (laughs) I mean, that is, that's something else just based on that. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. I forgot how wild that is. And now it makes me want to go back through and answer them all in like a weird way to see like, can I possibly figure out how to be from Boston or somewhere? For sure. Use guys. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's one of those things that's really interesting. So we continue here on this conversation, and let's tell you, of course, about our friends at HFX Foundation Solutions. And, you know, this is about to be the time of the year where no matter where you live, but especially in Texas... You're going to start having a lot of rain and when that rain comes because of the drought conditions you, you we all know how it is you get these deluges of rain and then you realize my god my property doesn't seem like it's draining very well that can affect your foundation and can really play havoc over the course of the upcoming months where you start noticing some of those problems and if you start to see that if you see like standing water then you realize that you don't have good drainage you need to call hfx foundation solutions because yeah, they can come out and they can fix your foundation. They can also help with your drainage issues. It's a 45-minute free, no-obligation inspection where they can point out some things if you do have problems to get it taken care of for you now so that at the end of 2022, you're not like, oh, my God, this is going to cost a lot. No,
1: nah, man. The, the reason why we call, call it the colonoscopy for your house is it provides peace of mind, man. Yeah. You let Aaron come out, HFX, his team come out and give your house the once over. You don't have to worry about it, man. And if they do by chance find something, it's probably that they find it in the early stages. And whatever it costs to fix is a fraction of what you find if you find it in late stages. And so it just makes sense, man, to get that peace of mind and have Aaron and his crew come out and take a look at your house.
0: That's exactly right. It's easy to do. It's 817-770-0174 or you can find them online hfxfoundation.com so give them a call hit up their website whatever you need to do but this is like preventative maintenance this is the best thing you can do if you start noticing cracks and sticking doors and all that type of stuff soil washout, you need to give them a call at HFX Foundation solutions so let's get into this mavs conversation before we have our next cowboys conversation because the dallas mavericks man nobody knew how this was going to work when they traded Chris Stapps Porzingis. But the reality of it is Spencer Dinwiddie has come in here and he has gone back to the Spencer Dinwiddie that was good a couple of years ago. And it's wild to see this, but he had 36 points last night. I think he had double-digit rebounds and... He he, you know they had that set up at the last of the game where Brunson drove, and then kicked it out to the corner where Dorian hit the the three pointer to win the game. They're ten and two since trading Kristaps Porzingis, and it is becoming obvious this is a better team without him and with Spencer Dinwiddie. They were playing really good defense when KP was here. They're they're sixth overall in the NBA in defensive rating they're they're first since they got rid of Kristaps Porzingis. Believe it or not, the fact they got rid of a 7-footer in the lane rim protector, they're even better defensively.
1: How about that? And to me, man, that's that's the culture that Jason Kidd brought. Uh, we touched on it for just a second the last time, man. Uh, the Mavericks have always been an offensive team in part because they had Dirk at his prime for so many years and then they followed him up with Luka who's phenomenal and and Rick Carlisle who I think is you know one of the best coaches in the NBA, but it was always they can't play defense even if they try they're not very good and they're an offensive team and defense is just not what they do they're an offensive team blah 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 and jason Kidd came in and said no we're gonna play some defense and i would be daggone man they are playing defense at the highest of levels and to me it just shows once again uh it's no different than your kids what you demand from people they will produce especially if there are consequences for not producing be it playing time if you're talking about an NBA player, or be it I'm taking away your phone if you're a teenager. Um, if you set up a standard of behavior, people will hit it as long as you're consistent with uh, with setting a standard and the consequences, good and bad, for reaching it or failing to reach it, bro.
0: Yeah, man, and and they are they are reaching it. it what they are doing has been really impressive over this stretch, and it's interesting because Denwitty, who of course. You know, he had some really good years when he was in Brooklyn. And then when he went to Washington earlier this offseason, he played 44 games for Washington. It wasn't a fit. His his percentages were down across the board. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, really. He even talked about how he had tried to speak up in the locker room and nobody wanted him to do that. And it was just weird. And then he gets traded, and all of a sudden, like, the Mavs just embrace him. And it works because now this was a problem with KP – they needed somebody other than Luca and Brunson that could do things with the basketball. Yep. And Dinwiddie is that guy. And kid has talked about this. Now they can play two of them on the floor together. They can play all three of them together. They can rest two and have one guy out there, whatever they need to do. But it really gives them a lot of creativity with two guys. Like if Luca and Dinwiddie are on the floor or Brunson and Dinwiddie or what have you, now it doesn't have to be, okay, Luca. you're on the floor. All right, time to arrest Luca Brunson, get out there. Now you've got more options, and you've got another guy who can kickstart the offense, who can score, but can also distribute the ball and get other people involved. And it's allowing them to play these three dudes at both the point and the shooting guard without having to force Luca to always have the, the ball and, and bring it up and be the point guard all the time.
1: Now remember when Kid was talking about that early in the year, bro, in yeah. terms of, Luca's fantastic, but he can't have the ball in his hands all the time. Well, this is what he was talking about, man. And this is the fallout from that. And uh, this, to me, is is high-level coaching. Um, you know, there's a lot of controversy when Kidd got hired just because of of the uh, the book that came out about Giannis that talked about basically Kidd being a madman <laughs> as yeah, a coach. Yeah. And uh, apparently, apparently, he has learned from the mistakes that he made uh, in his first two coaching jobs. I think he was, I think he coached the Nets, or maybe it was just the Bucks. Uh, but he's learned from those mistakes man and he's trying to do better and the most impressive thing to me is he has the mavericks you know playing defensive basketball yeah they've never done that and he has them doing it regularly matt told you i think they're just behind cleveland by a couple tenths of a point in terms of points allowed i mean they i can't say i mean he has to be in the running for coach of the year
0: yeah, you got to think so, you know, and that was one of those things. We had these conversations back when they hired Jason Kidd, and you talked about that. You know, he's a guy who retired, and literally nine days after he announced his retirement, he was hired as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Had never coached before. They just, hey, this guy, he was a great net at one point. He's a great, we're putting him on the sideline. And you look at this, and, and you wonder, well, how would you expect that to work? He's learning, literally learning how to coach while he is being the coach and then he goes to the Bucks and he's trying to figure it out and things didn't work there and I always thought it was interesting you know he he could have left the Lakers before he did he spent three seasons as an assistant with the Lakers kind of was around you know LeBron and those guys and, and understanding how that works from that side taking a seat back and, and he had talked about that you got to change when things hadn't worked previously and it really feels like that's what's happening here I mean I don't know what the Mavs have what it takes to do a run but I know this version of this team is a lot harder defensively and when these guys now with Dinwiddie and Bertans they have an opportunity with guys that can shoot the basketball and then I mean 10 and 2 in the last 12 games man that's not a fluke now Dinwiddie's been a good NBA player yeah that's why he got paid a couple years ago Um,
1: and so I think you're right. And, you know, Brunson has, has emerged into a good player. And so now you're right. They've got three and they can really go small against teams. Like, you know, like I had, they beat the Warriors the other day. And I'm like, damn, they have beaten the Warriors nine out of 11 and three out of four this year. The Warriors only lost 21 games. Yeah. And the Mavericks have accounted for three of those. Um, so they're moving in the right direction and they're moving toward being a club that, um, you know, can can can? How about this, man? Win a first first round playoff game, perhaps.
0: Yeah, and and you know, most of you guys will be listening to this on Monday, March seventh, and the Mavs play Utah tonight at the AAC, and that is a very likely first round matchup for them. It'll be interesting to see how they fare, and now the fact that they're playing small, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Rudy Gobert in the middle there for the Jazz. So they've got the Jazz and the Knicks coming up, and then they've got a, a long five-game road trip where they swing out on the road. I think there's 19 games left for them in the regular season. And now it's about jockeying for position. And they're playing yeah. really good basketball. They're 14 games over 500. they They're one game behind Utah for that four seed in the Western Conference.
1: Dude, that's, and that's what it's all about. It's trying to get home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs because that gives you the best opportunity to um to advance because if there's a game 7 yeah. it's at your crib and you feel good about that.
0: Yeah and and, and we talked about Luca um, I don't know a week or two ago but he has just been I mean he, that dude is playing on a different level. We talked about how he has started to figure it out and if that is the case we are about to see the next evolution of Luca and you look at what he's done. I mean hell, you know, the last game he didn't play in the Sacramento game but that other game God, that might have been on Friday night when they played Golden State, and he went out and put up 41-10 and had nine assists. He was one assist shy from a 40-point triple-double. <laughs> Dude. I mean, he's he was tearing it up, man. That game, he was insane. You know, in the, the the couple of nights before when they played on the road at Golden State, he had 34-11 and, I think, a couple of assists on that one as well. I mean, th- this team is just playing really good basketball right now, and they look like they have that chemistry – they know each other, and Dinwiddie coming in, it, it just, I think they're actually better without KP.
1: Oh, I don't think there's any doubt they were better without, they, they were better now than when KP was here, if for no other reason. And I, it's just what it is, man. Uh, he's in a lineup. You can count on him. You can get consistency. You can get run because you know Dinwiddie's going to be there um, every night. He's not injury-prone like uh, KP. And again, y'all know I'm not somebody who blames somebody for being injury-prone. Yeah. It's not like, not like he was trying to be hurt. Right. But but the reality is he was hurt all the time. And so it doesn't matter whether you, whether you try to do it or not. You're hurt all the time. And so now they can get some consistency. They can get some consistency with the lineups. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing but a positive, man. Um, you know, the other thing is they, they won last night against Sacramento on uh, Saturday night without Luka playing. Yeah, he I was, was too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you don't have your guy, however you win is however you win.
0: And they did it, man. I mean, they came back because they were down big in that game and really looked like they were missing Luka. And they bounced back and came back in the second half. And like I had mentioned earlier, you know, they drew up a play where Brunson was going to drive. And this, I thought this was an interesting nugget as well. read the article Brad Townsend had this morning, and apparently Jason Kidd wanted Dorian Finney-Smith to set up somewhere else. And Finney Smith interrupted him and said, can I go stand in the corner? That's where I want to be. And kid was like, OK, yeah, let's do that. And that's why when Brunson drove, Finney Smith is standing in his favorite spot in the corner wide open, kicks it out to him, drains the three, Mavs win. And, and Finney Smith had said, he goes, a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have had the confidence to be able to speak up like that. And so you just kind of see the evolution of where this team is and what they're becoming with some of these key pieces.
1: Well, that's what signing a $54 million contract would do to you, too. <laughs> that's true. They're not going to send me that's to true. the D League or the G League if I missed this shot. Um, and so it, it all works hand in hand, man. It all goes in sync, and it's uh, it's all great to see.
0: Yeah, and hopefully they can get Brunson taken care of, man, because that dude, you know, he did it again last yeah. night. He had 23-6 and six last night on the heels of, again, Dinwiddie, who had 36-7. and seven And it, it's – they're fun to watch. And then Josh Green, dude, Josh Green had a double-double last night. He had 12-12, and 12, and that was one of those guys that when they drafted, you knew he was going to kind of take a little bit of time. He, coming out of Arizona, he was their first-round pick in 2020, and we didn't really see much of him the last year. As a matter of fact, he just barely appeared in a few games here and there, and he's starting to get a little bit more of an opportunity this year, and there's been times where even him coming off of the bench, he's got a little something, as he's, and he's only 21 years old yeah he had a, a double double so
1: I mean it's all good man uh it's now I think you you said it right it's about solidifying your spot in the playoffs and it's continuing to play good basketball and going to the playoffs feeling good about yourself good about your team yeah um now the one thing I will say is and I saw Cuban say something the other day or I read something well we're going to do the best we can to sign Brunson and I was like bruh don't do the best you can get it done yeah just do it you know do or do not there is no try uh because i've also read some things that said well you know dinwood is here he does what brunson does and so you could effectively let brunson go and be like okay dinwood is here it's a it's an even swap and theoretically you could do that the problem is you're better when you have all three yes you are and so we're also talking about a billionaire and the only difference is money man so spend the fucking money Take the luxury tax ass kicking and keep your three good players together so that you can do what, man? Go add to that and go
0: compete for a championship. Yeah, don't be the damn Dallas Cowboys. You know? All right? Keep the three together. I will say this as we continue here and we get back into the Cowboys. Smokey John's Barbecue, if you haven't been yet, I think, Trey, did you see the picture of the jam session bowl that uh, Trey had tweeted at us and even he couldn't finish it looked like he finished almost three fourths of it the jam session bowl at Smokey's barbecue Smokey John's barbecue they still got it of course it's only available to you guys that listen to the podcast you have to know to ask for it because it's not on the menu and I told you guys a couple of days ago I got that delivery I've got three bottles of Smokey John's barbecue sauce and a thing of rub I love their barbecue sauce. I think you will too. And that, you don't have to be in Dallas to experience because they'll ship it to you wherever you are. Dude,
1: Matt got some. as proof that they'll ship it wherever you are. It's delicious whether it's the rub they're shipping to you or the sauce they're shipping to you. But Smokey John's, anything on the menu is delicious. We've tried a lot of it. But hey, it's the secret menu that I rock with. And uh, the Jam Session Bowl is outstanding. Uh, Dude, it's fantastic. Go over there, get you one. And then you can eat it off. If you by yourself, mate, eat off of it three different times.
0: Yeah, that's true because it is huge. It is absolutely fantastic. Smoky John's barbecue right there off Mockingbird in the Dallas area. Very easy to find. Local, family owned. A couple of brothers run that place. And as we just mentioned, if you don't live in the area like me, but you want to experience it, go to SmokyJohns.com, Smoky's Market, and you can order the barbecue sauce or the rub wherever you happen to be. So these Dallas Cowboys, this is going to get interesting. The franchise tag deadline is Tuesday, March 8th. And it sounds like if they do use the franchise tag, they would only potentially use it on Dalton Schultz to keep him from testing the free agency market and potentially breaking the bank after the season that he just put up. The league free agency starts on, I believe it's March 15th, 16th. One of those it's one of those two days because march 20th is when all these contract guarantees generally kick in because it's the fifth day of the new league year the cowboys have 24 of their own free agents some of them you know for a fact are going to be gone some of them they're going to try and bring back but it's interesting when you look at some of these guys where you would prioritize who you're trying to bring back like, 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 late, like, Leighton Vanderesh. I'll be curious if they just let him go or if they'll try and get him back on the cheap.
1: Uh, I think Leighton Vanderesh, I don't think he comes back because I think here's what happens they say, Hey, go see what you, go see what you can go command yeah. out there in the open market. And normally, if you say that, that means, Well, hell, they told me to go look. Why would I, I'm not bringing my offer back to you? I'll just go sign with, <laughs> with whoever's, right. whoever's interested in me because they want me, and you're like, We want you under certain conditions. Uh, but we want you. Period. Um, I'm more curious, though, man. Who's the who's the who's your you're the you're the Cowboys GM? Who's the one guy you're focused all your energy on to bring back?
0: See, this is where it gets really interesting. Is if it's, if it's not Dalton Schultz, <laughs> you know, because we've kind of talked about Dalton Schultz just briefly, and obviously Michael Gallup would be very high on my priority list. Man, golly, this is – it may be because of what we saw him do and how many snaps he played and the benefit that he had on the defense and it just seemed to work with Dan Quinn last year would be curse.
1: Wow. All right. I like that. I like that. See, I thought you might say Randy Gregory, but you're saying curse. Yeah, Randy Uh, Gregory,
0: I mean, it'd be nice to keep him around, but – I think if you're only going to keep one, can you afford to pay him what you're going to give him in addition to DeMarcus Lawrence? And I guess I was trying to think on, you know, a curse. It, it felt like they had something there for the first time in that back part of the secondary that just worked for them.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting because I think curse is good. I don't think, now this is just me. I think you can get Curse back at a reasonable number. Right. Yeah. And here's why. You tell his agent. Now, this is why you have an agent, so that the player doesn't have to hear this. Dude, your boy ain't never done shit in the league. He been in the league six years. Ain't nobody heard his name. He never done shit. Yeah. He fits our defense perfectly. We know exactly how to use him. Let us take care of him, and uh, we'll get you a solid deal. I mean, because you know how the Cowboys love to get a bargain. Sure, Um, yeah. But, you know, your value is in Dallas, where we know exactly what to do, exactly how to use you. And uh, we'll give you a nice deal. Uh, come on back and uh, let's do this thing back with Dan Quinn because he knows how to get the most out of you. So I think you can, especially with a guy like Curse, who's yearning for success because he hadn't really had any. I think he'd want to stay with Dan Quinn and and get a nice check because he's been making a minimum. He's gonna get more than that, a lot more than that this year, and he can be happy with that. Uh, so I think you get Curse done. I would really try to get Gregory done because pass rushers are the hardest thing to find in the NFL. And here's the tricky part, man. If you get Gregory done, even if you restructure DeMarcus Lawrence, cause I don't care, man, I'm trying to win. I don't really care about my budget five years yeah. from now. Um, then the benefit of having those two guys is what bro? Micah Parsons can always line up anywhere and rush the passer. He could do it from defensive end if you want to move Tank inside. He could do it from stand up outside. He can come blow up through the A-gap up the middle. But you have those options when you have all three of those guys. Rushing the passer is the most important thing to do in the National Football League. And I'm not giving up any, any pass rushers that I already have.
0: I can see that. And, you know, you look at this because generally what the Cowboys do is they try to sign their own free agents and then they'll add, like last year, they added a bunch of bargain level guys, I guess. And we know that. They don't spend money in free agency. And I'll be curious. They spend it on
1: their guys. That's what
0: they tell us. Well, supposedly. But I'm curious to see all those dudes they brought in on one-year deals last year. You know, Keanu Neal, uh, Urban, Watkins, uh, Casey, Curse, guys like that. If uh, Malik Hooker... Who out of those that showed a lot in one year, if they're gonna try and re-sign those guys or let them go now? Because like you're talking about Leighton Vanderesh, I wouldn't be surprised if he Anthony Hitchens this thing. Where some team comes and we're like, oh my God, Leighton Vanderesh got that? You know, and he's 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 okay, he's solid. But I remember when Anthony Hitchens signed with the Chiefs, where I was just like, Holy crap, I can't believe they paid that guy that much. But that's all it takes. And and again, some of these teams with money, sometimes like Keanu Neal or even a curse, you know. Yeah, we'd love you here. And then, oh man, you got you were really badass for the Cowboys last year. We'll we'll pay you more. Like, come do that for us. And the Cowboys are like, well, why would we pay you more? You did it for cheap last year. <laughs> That's how it works sometimes, though. Right, right, right. You know, we always see this when the free agency comes around and these big names are going to move and get off the board, and then like a week later, the Cowboys will sign random ass, whoever it is, who kind of was okay with one team, but they got him on the cheap and hopefully it works.
1: Dude, that's how it is. So I I think um, Gregor is interesting. I mean, I think um, we kind of glossed over, but I think Dalton Schultz is interesting because he put up numbers. Yeah, I think he had 78 catches, about 800 yards, um, five or six, seven touchdowns. He was a really solid player, better run after the catch guy than I thought. But I don't think anybody thinks he's special. Um, I think he was also a product of the system where they go, we'll let Dalton Schultz catch passes because he's not going to kill us. Right. But he was a good player. Now, he, he can't block worth of shit um, in space. But he's a good player. And if you're trying to put together a good team, I think there's something to be said for Blake Jarwin, who had this, this uh, kind of unusual hip injury that could threaten his career. If you cut him – you can save $5 million against the cap. And again, money is money. It doesn't matter whether the guy's playing or not playing. And so I wouldn't mind signing Dalton Schultz to the franchise tag for one year at 10 million, Mm -hmm. because in my mind I go, well, if I cut Jarwin, that's five right there that I'm saving on the cap. So yeah, I'm paying 10 million, but in my mind it's only 5 million. And I'll go draft me a tight end. I'll go get another minimum salary tight end to block from around the league. Those guys you can find. And so I'll keep Dalton Shields here for one more year. And then, um, you know, by then we'll go draft another tight end. But this will stopgap us for a year and allow us to do what we want to do.
0: Yeah, I think that that's probably what I would do as well because this is not a dominant tight end draft class. As a matter of fact, there's probably not a first-round tight end. And I imagine they may try to, to draft one. But if Jarwin's done... It almost forces your hand with Schultz.
1: Yeah. And that's okay. Schultz made whatever the rookie minimum is last year for 700000 or whatever. He's going to make $10 million. He's going to be happy with that.
0: Oh, yeah. And, you know, you know yeah. you, you, the 10-8 or whatever it is, I think it works. Like you're talking about, you make some of those moves. Dak obviously likes the guy, Dak feels comfortable with him. And if that's what it costs, so that you can push that position down and at least keep him around for one more year, and then you can go from there to see how it turns out, is probably the necessary thing to do.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Dalton Schultz, excuse me. He made 2.1 last year.
0: Ooh, whoa, so let me tell you out. this, Matt.
1: If, uh, if your bosses walked in and said, hey, we'll give you five times more than you made this year, what would you do? Yes. Okay. So now, where do I sign? <laughs> I'm my own boss. So we'll say, hey, Taylor, if you added clients in the next year to the JJT Media Group that gave you five times more gross revenue than you made last year, what would you say? I'd say make sure I've got DocuSign in my phone because I'm going to be in the south of France when the contracts are done. Well, I like that, so I'm in. <laughs> you know. So, it, yeah, So I don't think anybody's mad making five times more than they sign.
0: No, and, and there's going to be some interesting names that are out there as free agent tight ends, but again, the Cowboys aren't going to spend money on somebody who's not their own. You know, like Zach Ertz is going to be a free agent, but he's over 31 years old. Uh, Eric Ebron is a free agent who's about to be 29. Uh, Max Williams out of Arizona, who's 28. O.J. Howard, who was supposed to be something and never really was, he's he's going to be a free agent. He's 27. But, you know, I think you're better off, especially in this case, like none of those guys really do much for me. So in this case, I think you're just better off with what you've got. And and I don't blame the Cowboys for trying to sign your own free agent and Dalton Schultz.
1: No oh, man, I, th- I think that works.
0: But I I, that I'm works. very curious because out of these 24 guys, how many of their own free agents do you actually think they end up signing?
1: Um, you know that's a good question because I think some of it depends on on fit and some of it depends yeah. on cost. You know, but the guys who are most coveted, those are the guys hardest to sign. Find, sign because there are other people interested in them. Um, like Keanu Neal didn't have a good year, so there's no interest there. Demonte KZ, maybe there's some, but only at my number, not your number. Yeah, um, you know, Leighton Vanderess is probably in the Cowboys' mind a, at my number, not your number. Um, I still don't know. I, I still maybe I'll ask around. I still haven't gotten a definitive answer on why he went from the next best thing and an All Pro as a rookie to
0: to me kind of just a guy. Yeah, man, he's about as average as it gets lately. It feels like, and
1: I'm not, I'm not sure if that was his his whole neck thing or what. But, you know, like, he missed a lot of tackles last year for a guy who used to never miss tackles as a rookie. Um, and he played so well. Um, you know, that's the hard thing, man. It's that long-term consistency yeah. between, um, you know, separates players in the NFL. Yeah,
0: and and, and then they got to do something. You know, Cedric Wilson, you got to think that they're trying to bring him back because Noah Brown, Malik Turner, all those guys. I mean, M- Michael Gallup, that's four of your wide receivers are unrestricted free agents. and And I would imagine they'd like to keep, Gallup and Wilson. I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to keep Brown at a decent deal. I don't know what they're going to do at the wide receiver position.
1: No, but as Clancy was finally saying, wide receivers are like two guards in the NBA. True, you draft those guys. Yeah, um, there's there's always a lot of guys to draft. Uh, and why are you bsing, man? I like Malik Turner. Um, I realize he's a yeah. special teams guy, but he did some things in the offense that you know doesn't seem to get very much mentioned. But I I like him. I'd be curious to see if he had. If he was a number four guy and had a larger role, could he make a little bit of a difference?
0: The two guys that I think are probably gone are Leighton Van Der Esch and Connor Williams, two names that we all kind of know and have had for the last few years. I, I think they're just done with both those guys. Like Van Der Esch is interesting. And, and I think you're right where he, he doesn't suck. So I, I think it's one of those things. Like if we can get you what, what we think is a value, then we're going to do it. But I just feel like some team out there is going to be like, oh, well, we figured out that they just weren't using you right, and if we can get you over here, we'll give you this kind of money. Oh,
1: absolutely, bro. And that's why, um, like,
0: I, I think that they would bring him back. I just think he's going to – and I think Leighton Van Der Esch is getting that deal where we're all going to look at it and go, holy hell.
1: <laughs> I don't know, bro. And I don't mean, like, don't, break the I, bank.
0: I just mean, like, a deal where we're just kind of surprised by it.
1: I don't know, because, I, I I mean, based on what? I didn't see any game-changing plays last year on the regular – uh, but again, it all it takes is one. Yeah. That's the thing. And David, uh, David Cantor is a really good agent. Maybe he'll, he'll use nothing but his, his rookie film when he's around there shopping him to teams.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe he will, but you know, that's what happens is when you see some of these teams that have like, like Miami has $61 million of cap space, right? You know, the chargers have fifty seven and a half. Jacksonville, 56 Cincinnati has 49, and Denver has a bunch as well. I mean, some of these teams just have gobs of cap space. And, and at times it's like, okay, well, go out and give that dude a, a million more than anybody else. Make sure we get them. Yeah. You know, and you go got to spend it. Like, you, you know how it is. Like over that three-year average or whatever, you have to hit a certain percentage of your cap. So you've got to, at some point, you have to spend it. And so I'll just be curious to see, you know, some of these guys. And that's why, like, free agency, there's always guys that get contracts like Kenny Galladay, the eighteen million a year Kenny Galladay got from the New York Giants, where I think all of us were like, "Damn, really, huh?" <laughs> and then what did he do with New York? Nothing. Not yet, anyway. But this is going to be interesting to see as free agency approaches, and and then the franchise tag deadline on Tuesday, and you know all this stuff that's coming out with, you, you know Kyler Murray and that whole letter that he put out like a week ago or whatever that was, basically, hey, I want to get paid, and I which, yes. Like, the Cardinals had to know that was coming because that's what all these young quarterbacks do. You you play three years, and then you extend me after the third year because that's what everybody does now. And it'll be interesting to see if the Packers are going to bring back Aaron Rodgers. Does he want to come back? Does he want to get traded? How that's going to work out, and how in the world they're going to figure out because they've got to clear a bunch of cap space. They've got to figure out how to re-sign Devontae Adams if they keep Rodgers, and they're about to supposedly pay Rodgers like $50 million a year. <laughs>
1: See, everybody got problems, man. Everybody got problems.
0: Yeah, everybody's got those problems, and it'll be, it's going to be, a free agency is always interesting, but right now, and, and this is according to Track on where they, you know, the cap numbers and all that, the Cowboys have $21 million over the cap. Only two teams are more over than they are right now. Green Bay at 29, and the Saints are $42 million over the cap.
1: That's why Sean Payton's like, I don't need these headaches.
0: Yeah, because they're going to have, the Saints are going to have to shed people like crazy. That's what happens, you know, when you load up and you pay all these dudes and they're still, you know, working out. That's what happens. And I guess that's what the the Packers would do with Rodgers is sign him to like a five year kind of Tom Brady deal where you just have these like the final three years are voidable years, but it allows you to signing bonus the hell out of them and spread it out over five years.
1: No, I mean, that's one way to do it.
0: Because I don't know how else they're going to figure out a way to pay him $50 million a year. There's a lot of intrigue in this offseason, man, just because I feel like the Aaron Rodgers domino teams are waiting on that. And based on what happens there, that'll completely change the draft. Like, what if Aaron Rodgers says, you know what, I'm done in Green Bay. I want to be traded. And then he goes to Denver. Well, all of a sudden, that trade that might completely change what Denver was going to do in the draft and how they right. approach free agency. I mean and that's I mean, that Aaron Rodgers domino, and then that happens. If that goes, does does Russ Wilson all of a sudden push his weight around in Seattle? I'm I'm very intrigued at what the next six weeks of the NFL is gonna look like that can change the landscape by the time we get to the draft in late April.
1: And that, my friend, is why the NFL rocks.
0: It does. It really, really does, man. I mean, it is It's something else, isn't it? I mean, I was looking at this the other day, the top 100 most watched sporting events, or excuse me, television events in the year of 2021. And I believe it was 75 of them were NFL games. Dude. Like not sporting events, like the most watched television programs in 2021, 75 of the 100 were NFL games. And there were like seven college games. So 82 out of the 100 were football yeah, that's what it was because I was looking at this in regards to baseball and how it's really fallen off because baseball didn't have a single game in the top 100, you know, and this whole lockout and all those issues. And it's just, man, like you guys, you don't look at your own numbers to realize that your sport is fading in viewership and you're hurting it even worse.
1: Dude, they they don't have a clue, man. I mean, they, they really don't have a clue. They're not paying attention. And, uh, you know, they're going to go the way of Kodak at some level.
0: They are because people will just stop paying attention to it. At some point, I mean, if you're going to continue doing this at that level, it's millionaires fighting billionaires and people who aren't six-figure people don't really give a crap about it at the end of the day.
1: And there's so many more options, bro, than there were 50 years ago for what you can do with your dollar or what you can do with your time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because here in Birmingham, you know, the the minor league baseball is not affected by this, and Birmingham has a beautiful minor league park. I mean, it's just as nice as that one in Frisco where the Birmingham Barons play, the double-A the affiliate for the Chicago White Sox. It's literally right across the street from one of the best breweries in Birmingham, and that whole area is just badass. I was like, you know, there's something to it where you get to go and you watch these kids who are really doing it for the passion and the dream, and it cost me a fraction of what it would cost to go to a Rangers game.
1: Dude,
0: a fraction
1: of what it costs to go to the Rangers game? Yeah, minor league baseball has always been a good deal, man. It's always been a thing where, hey... You get your bang for your buck. They actually cater to the fan at minor league baseball. Oh, yeah, all the time. And so it's great, man. They love for minor league baseball. That's
0: what's interesting about living in somewhat of a smaller market. You get those types of things. Like, minor league baseball is going to be going here. USFL is playing here in the spring. And while I don't know what to make of that, I'll probably go to a game and check it out because why not? It's something to do. And it's super – like, it is insanely affordable to go watch the USFL, which I guess is oh. fair because the quality of the product is not elite. Right. I wish that they would do a thing where they just let a fan come out and, like, play in a game for a second. <laughs> like, take a snap and see, can you execute? Stuff like that would be kind of fun. What's it like I to see. get hit at the USFL level? Probably still hurts well, like hell.
1: No, it still hurts like hell. I mean, I think the closest they do is let you call, let you put in a play and run it.
0: Yeah, something like that. That'd be kind of fun. Like well, spider wearing, XY, uh, banana, taco shell, or whatever.
1: I, I was thinking more uh, vanilla stout. You know, something.
0: <laughs> like some beer play that we just designed coming yeah. up for that. That'd be kind of awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah, like that. All right.
0: Well, that'll wrap up this one and, and we'll be back on Wednesday. We'll have Todd Archer joining us. We'll see what he pulled out of the combine. And oh, by the way, how about Jerry having a, a minor medical issue that kept him from having his annual session with reporters in Indianapolis at the combine? And when I saw that, I was like, by minor medical issue, what is that, a headache that he would have gotten from all the Dalrymple questions? I think so. Uh, there's been scant few
1: people who know about this minor medical procedure, including high-ranking people in his own organization. So, yeah.
0: You know. Uh, he just doesn't want headache. to do it. This is going to be one of those things again, isn't it, where we're not going to see him until training camp, and he's going to be forced to address it at the State of the, uh, the Cowboys address.
1: Maybe, and then he'll be like, that happened a long time ago. I've said what I'm
0: going to say about it. Let's move on. Yeah, man. Well, NFL, it's never not intriguing, which is great. All right, enjoy your week, and we will talk to you again coming up in a couple of days here on Jam Session. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the JM Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.